Test one, test two, test three. Welcome to another IMCO with me, Jonathan Chan. And I'm just so glad that you can join me today as we continue to look at what topped the news uh, this past week and what I can offer you in terms of a Christian opinion on those topics. Well, the title of this, uh, how should I say, IMCO is about freedom. What is it? Especially in a Christian sense. Because here's what topped the news this past week. Now, this might not be a local thing, but it definitely was on the local news waves completely. So let's uh, bring the guy up here. Uh, take away... Take away this guy, and let's put this guy here. As you can see, uh, we uh, what topped the news this past week was this guy, Donald Trump, and how all these social media giants totally banned him, like deleted his accounts <clears throat> or suspended it indefinitely. Case in point on this picture, it shows Twitter. Twitter uh, suspended Trump's account. And for those of you who have been living in a cave or have been just hiding away and not listening to the news because you just don't feel like you want to be depressed, what happened? Why did he, get, why did he have his account suspended? <clears throat> well, last Wednesday, uh, he did a rally. And uh, prior to the rally, he uh, was saying, oh, we got to storm the White House. We got to uh, get back uh, our, uh, our wins in the election. And so we got to storm in there, march right up there. So he was inciting what some would say an insurrection, inciting violence. Actually, um, he was like basically putting a lot of fuel to a already burning fire. <clears throat> and so it led up to Wednesday where he did a rally and said, we got to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue and charge into the White House and demand. So da 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 da. And because of that, uh, his followers, the MAGA followers, most of them quite violent in nature, charge into the building and, uh, and just basically threaten the lives of congressmen and senators. Not only that, but the staff and the police and those who uh, were trying to protect the White House. What they did was highly illegal. It was an insurrection. 
And the result of it was uh, five deaths. Or actually, um, I think what, uh, recently they said there, there are six deaths, two of them being policemen. So in retaliation, in response, actually not retaliation, in response, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and recently today on Wednesday, January 13th, we were told that YouTube would also um, suspend all of Donald Trump's accounts. All right. So you think, that's great. <clears throat> he deserves it. We shouldn't allow these folks, especially right, far-right radicals, uh, promote violence and insurrections and revolutions that hurt people, right? That, um, that endanger lives, that promote things that are like um, recently, uh, even today, this morning, uh, there was a group that actually hit their main existence was to create a second civil war. No, obviously, those type of groups, those type of individuals, they really need to be, their, their account should be suspended. That's the obvious stuff. Now, what topped the news this past week then, other than this guy? It was the question about, and uh, it was the debate actually, um, about freedom, freedom of speech. And not only was it on the news, but it was also on my news, on my Facebook threads of a few of my, I wouldn't say them friends, but acquaintances, were listening out all the things about the possible slippery slopes. That if Twitter, social media giants like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are able to censor and eliminate uh, and suspend accounts of these folks, how about us Christians? How about us who uh, promote uh, Christian values and Christian opinions? Uh, will we be censored? Like, uh, I feel that we're getting snuffed too. And that um, and some, gentleman, some gentleman said, I can't breathe. I'm like, shut up. If you're going to use that phrase, the George Floyd phrase, for the sake of you being snuffed out and of not being able to speak your mind, you are on a totally wrong trajectory, my friend. Anyways, so I got, I've been seeing all these uh, um, Facebook posts about the threat of their own freedom to speak, freedom of expression and opinions, etc. Notice that... Um, and I noticed that the common denominator of all those things are predominantly uh, people of religious affiliation, especially Christians. And so that is why it prompted me to, again, revisit the idea of freedom in a Christian sense. And so here are my three points today. So as I reflected again on what I said uh, a few weeks back, um, last year, we touched on this before, but we'll touch on it again. Um, I want to this time elaborate a little bit further on the idea of the of the freedom of speech, especially for us Christians. So, how should a Christian look at freedom of speech? The idea of speaking freely. Well, number one, <clears throat> folks, those who call themselves Christian, we are not really free. We're bound. By, our freedoms are bound by Jesus, actually. Christian freedom, here's point number one. Christian freedom is bound by Jesus. Everything we say or even do needs to be scrutinized through a Jesus litmus test. 
before we even deliver it out of our mouths or even type it on our computers. We can't do that. We, we are bound to test what we say through a Jesus litmus test. Now, some of you have uh, spoken back at me or responded back at me of saying, John, I heard your uh, IMCO <clears throat> or I watched your IMCO that week when you talked about freedoms. Well, Jesus rebuked people, didn't he? He, had the free, he? he felt free to rebuke people with the truth, right? And I say to you, read your Bibles a bit better. Full stop. My atheist friend has always uh, told me that um, Christians need to read their Bibles carefully. For Pete's sake, an atheist has been telling me to tell Christians to read their Bibles carefully. And I agree with him. Here's what I mean. When you look through all the times when Jesus rebukes with the truth, what does he mean? What does he mean? And, oh, no, sorry. What does he say? And in particular, most importantly, who is his audience? His audience are Jews. His audience are those who are in the religious side, who do have similar convictions as he for those who ha have the similar end goal in mind. In other words, he was talking to people who are already religious, who has already subscribed to the Jewish way of life and the Jewish moral code and the Jewish ethics of the Old Testament. And Jesus is there to rebuke them, saying how far they have strayed away from that moral code, that ethical compass, or whatever you call it, the Jewish way of thinking. Jesus was there to actually recalibrate and get them back in line. And that's why he rebuked them. Here's an example. I'm, my wife and I, we try our best to live a healthy life. And, uh, you know, physically, I mean. Uh, we try to eat well, exercise often. She wakes up at 5 in the morning to do her exercises. Yeah, she's quite devoted. I try to fit it in during my day. We try to exercise almost every day. And uh, now, if we have the similar goals then, as you can see, we, our goal is to be physically fit and healthy so that we can live as long as we can to see our daughter grow up and, you know, and just witness her life journey. However, if I see someone or a friend who eats crap, sits on the couch all day, uh, watches YouTube videos while eating crap, and not even give a hoot about exercise because the person's goal is not to be physically fit, doesn't even share the same goal as me, doesn't have the same belief system as me, should I rebuke them? Heck no. There's no point in rebuking someone who does not even have the similar goals as you. There's no point in rebuking, saying, don't eat processed food, don't load up your fridge with bacon, if that person has no care whatsoever about their physical health. You follow? And so, for us who think that, wow, we should speak the truth. Well, no, the truth only resides with you, with your belief systems. That you know what's true to how to get to where you want to go. That's truth that you have. Christian's truth is all about the way and the truth, right? Well, where like the truth is that you, our truths tell us where we want to go because we believe in the destination. Now, for those who do not believe in that destination, 
whatever truth we hold is not true for them. And so what's the point of rebuking them then? But what did Jesus do for those who do not believe in the same things as he does? What does he do? What does he say? What does he do to those who are not on the same page as him, i.e. the Gentiles? Well, in general, he did two things. One, he offered grace and forgiveness. And two, he didn't say much. Instead, he did it with deeds. He showed his love. He showed his truth through deeds, miracles, healings, uh, mere presence. And so those two things, I find, are the confines and the boundaries for us when we talk about freedom of speech. Whenever, before we even say anything, it has to go through a Jesus litmus test. And I will go through it more practically. I have something to offer you on how to actually do that litmus test. But on to point number two. In light of point number one then, ask ourselves, is what we're saying true? In other words, it's not just our opinions. It shouldn't be just our opinions. It shouldn't be opinions of a few. It shouldn't be opinions of that one person on the pulpit. It shouldn't even be opinions of just the ha like your peers in the group. It should be a general consensus of, get this, professionals, of uh, professionals who are in that field. So example, for those, of, uh, uh, for those folks who are anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers, think about it. What opinions were they, are they subscribing to? Are they convinced are true, right? Whereas you and I, most of us who wear our masks, who do agree that in the efficacy of vaccines, and I'm looking forward to mine soon, we say it's true because it is in the midst of a consensus of professionals. And so theology is the same thing. When we, when whatever we say that is true, and most of the times for Christians, when we say true, it's, it's theology and morals, right? So where did we get those from? We have to evaluate that. If I have a theological conviction of a particular viewpoint, by golly, it better be true, i.e. it have better have been through scrutiny, through the academics, theological theologians, professional theologians, and it had to be a general consensus among those theologians. That's how we got the Apostles' Creed, by the way. That's why that is true. It's because it was a consensus of professional theologians gathered around the table and vouched and voted and said, yes, this is what we can agree on. Okay, next point. In light of point number two, Truth is a consensus of professionals, as I said, and academics. So have you consulted with that or are you merely a pulpit parrot? I want to go on to the last point, the, the uh, point about the pulpit parrot. I'm a pastor at, uh, at a church, Crystal Church, and uh, many times I have to watch myself as well because people, there was a study done um, called What God Does to Your Brain, and uh, they did a character study or just a psychological study, psychoanalysis of people who actually go to church. Most of them, 
they found are have a tendency to be followers rather than leaders. People who go to church tend to be followers. They want to go there and uh, be led. And, uh, and that's why we get pastors. Because they're called shepherds. They lead the sheep. Now, I have to be careful of that and always say in my sermons that this is my opinion. This is how I see it. These are my takeaways. In other words, the folks that are listening to this and listening to my sermons or watching me preach, they should be aware that this is only one individual's takeaway from all the work that he did or he or she did from the studies of commentaries to the readings to ruminations into how God specifically spoke to her or to me, not necessarily to everyone else. And so I want to always warn my folks in front of me that don't be a parrot. Evaluate it. Uh, ring it through, ask me questions, debate with me, debate with others, consult with the, with the commentaries I used and consult with the other commentaries I didn't use. Truth is, <laughs> truth is that we as humans are given this ability to critically engage rationally and reasonably and politely. We're not animals. We don't, when we disagree, we don't go and shoot somebody or beat the crap out of them. We are human beings. And what separates us from animals is that we have dignity. We have respect for others. We can actually have dialogue and reason and rationalize. What makes us human also is that we're not copycats. We don't have this tendency to just agree and submit. I doubt that we are like that. Life is boring if you just continue to submit to whoever tells you and just say and just agree with them. We don't do that, right? Look, you don't even agree with me wearing this, do you? For all of you Canuck fans. So we as human beings are given this capacity to critically engage with whatever we hear. Let's do that. God gave us this brain. Let's use it. And so don't be a pulpit parrot. Like whatever is said on the pulpit, whether it's your pastor or myself, question it. Or at least acknowledge that, hey, that's just his or her opinion. That's just how God spoke to him or her, not necessarily to myself. And so that's what I want to leave with you with those three points. Now, I promised you that there is, I found this really helpful in terms of a practical approach uh, with regards to um making sure that whatever we say or about to say passes the Jesus litmus test. Remember what I said, uh, before we speak, if we are given that time, we should do this. And I found that this is very helpful. Now, you may have heard the term, think before you speak. Well, I found this poster in my daughter's school. Yeah, my nine-year-old's, no, eight-year-old, what am I saying? She's gonna be nine this year eight-year-old's school in her class on the board. And this is what I showed in front of my board meetings, uh, in front of the board. Think before you speak. Here's the acronym. First of all, is it true? Is it really true or you're just uh, sharing a gossip or sharing what you heard on YouTube, Google, Facebook, or whatever? 
Have you gone through the scrutiny of making sure and double check that it's not false, yet that it is true that there has been a consensus, a general consensus among professionals that it is true? Number two, and this is a big one, is it even helpful of what you're gonna say? Many times when I see texts or emails that are firing at me, my tendency is to respond quickly. And so I've given myself a general rule of thumb to bite my tongue and wait for 30 minutes. And by that 30 minutes is done, while I'm working on something else, 30 minutes became an hour, and an hour became two hours. And then by the time I slept through it, and the next day, I thought it was actually, I said to myself, you know what, whatever I was gonna say was not important, nor was it helpful. So always evaluate what we're gonna say. Is it helpful to everyone, to everyone who reads this? Or is this going to just basically be demeaning, demoralizing, or making somebody lesser than I. Because most of the time, we have a tendency to do that. And uh, what does it mean by helpful? It means, like, is it, does it uplifting? Does it give somebody encouragement? See, we can place judgment on people very easily, but very hard to can we find authentic encouragement for someone. And I think that is more helpful than judgments. Number three. It, I, is it inspiring? Does it inspire us to be better people? See, uh, many times, uh, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was raised as a kid uh, and taught, there's always, like many times people just keep on saying, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. That's not inspiring, right? What is inspiring is to give me goals that I can achieve and let me know how to get there. Suggest ways of how to get there. That's inspiring. Necessity, and is it necessary? Again, the biting of the tongue. Sooner or later, after the, uh, that one text that has been blazing and uh, hurt me emotionally, after a while, when you sleep on it and give it another 24 hours, you figure, you know, what I was gonna say is completely unnecessary, and also what he said or she said, or it's just not necessary. And lastly, the biggest one, is it kind? Um, I always say in front of uh, folks, especially in Christians, and when Christians ask me, John, uh, what is uh, your suggestion with regards to uh, discipleship? Like, what is one crucial thing, rule of thumb, that you would give to us young Christians about discipleship? And I say, we should have a corner market. Try to corner the market in kindness. Be kind. As opposed to being right, be kind. Or like I would say to them, don't be an ass. So that's it for me. Uh, my name is Jonathan Chan. Uh, I am the executive director of the company at Disciples. And uh, I would like to show you my website. And it's right here at companyatdisciples.com. If you want to talk back, at me or respond or provide your opinions, hey, let me know. Go through my website, enter, go to the uh, contact form page and just contact me through there. And if you wanna know more of what we do for business professionals, visit our website because we have quite a few projects going on and uh, most notably the Meals for Kids program. And so if you have uh, any aspirations to volunteer and to help out your community, contact us again as well through that website. Also, I just want to offer it up to you all. 
I, as I mentioned, I am also a pastor at Crucible Church. Now, we are currently meeting over at Zoom. Uh, what we do is uh, we post uh, sermons during the, uh, the sermon during the week, allow you to watch it during the week. Then on Sunday, our worship leaders take us through some singing, and I will take you, I or Dan will take you through uh, a summary of our highlights of our sermon, of the passage we read. And then we have some sharing and discussions uh afterwards then after the, the worship service we do breakout rooms where people can get together pray for one another support each other inspire one another encourage each other and help each other out in, in practical ways and so if you're interested in joining our sunday worship service go to cruciblechurch.com and send us uh, through that contact form or email directly at community at cruciblechurch.com. And once again, it's community at cruciblechurch.com. So till next week, have a blessed rest of the week. My name is Jonathan again, and I'm so glad that you can join me on another IMCO. Hopefully you found this helpful. And uh, yeah, have a blessed rest of the week. Thank you.